Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Welcome back to Believe in Softball. I'm your host, Jenna Becerra, and we got a fun one for you today, I have to say. And I'm excited, so I kind of want to just jump right in. So some reminders for ways to keep up with the show. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Believe in Softball. That's B-L-E-A-V. Subscribe to Believe in Softball on YouTube and actually watch the episodes too. All right, let's go through today's order. First, we'll cover our bases, share some news and updates. Then we'll head into today's interview with Stacey Newman. She's a longtime coach now, but also one of the greatest players we've ever witnessed on the softball field at every level. So just enough said. This will be part one of our conversation. Stay tuned next week for part two, because one thing that I realized is that when you're talking to a legend like Newbie, you just let that conversation flow. And it was just too much greatness for one episode. So then we'll end things with the foul tip of the week where we share tips to help us get better. All right, let's go. Covering our bases. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are glued to the gridiron as teams are back for yet another football season. Shout out to Stanford for beating Vanderbilt. Shameless plug, I don't care. Go card. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and your online sportsbook experts. You know, while we consume all these games on TV, let's also pay attention to what we consume and put in our bodies. Speaking of, so I'm hearing that Lamar Odom might be returning to pro basketball in Spain. He might even try out for Pau Gasol's team. He's been taking a new product that's been helping him get back into it, and it's called Balance 7. It's a pH balancing alkaline supplement drink. It's like vitamins or supplements in liquid form. Just one ounce a day, three times a day, and in a week, you'll see the effects. You know what? Sometimes we just, we need help. And when we're training and working out, we need a boost, especially as we get older. It only gets more important. And in Lamar's case, you can see how Balance 7 has helped. And right now, if you go to balance7.com and use the promo code BELIEVE, you'll get $10 off their 32-ounce bottle. The bottle lasts 11 days, which is the perfect amount of time to feel the pH balancing drink go to work. Again, that's balance7.com and use the code BELIEVE at checkout. I did. If it worked for him, it can work for you too. Lots of updates for Athletes Unlimited. Probably going to focus on this the most here for covering our bases because we are going into the last week. It's crazy. Week four just wrapped up. And I have to say, I think one of my favorite parts of AU has got to be the team names, the mascots, the home run celebrations. They just give me life every week. And Victoria Hayward talked about this. She's like, yeah, it's one of the first things we talk about in the Zoom rooms during the draft. It's like, all right, what's our team name going to be? And they've already used so many that kind of aligns with each of the colors between last season and this season. So I feel like they're only getting more and more creative as time goes by. 
Like this week, the Squirtles were team blue, Pokemon theme. The Lions were team orange with the Lion King theme. I could not hold it together. I was laughing when someone would hit a home run. Tori Vidal was the first one. And they literally would hold Simba up and like put the the line across their foreheads the way Rafiki does in the movie to Simba. It was just, it was awesome in every way. Then there were the golden arches with the McDonald's theme. Gotta love it. And then the Jokers too for Team Purple with the actual clown. Well, it's not a clown. It's like the Joker, literally, Heath Ledger, RIP, his mask basically at home plate. Kind of scary, but the buy-in. That's what I love. And I also love, you know whose vibe I'm digging right now? I am digging Amanda Sanchez. She's been hitting the crap out of the ball. She's been doing well in the infield. She also hit a birthday bomb, which like is always a good thing. I'm always going to root for that. It's kind of cool, too, that, you know, Sachelle Palacios also had a birthday during Athletes Unlimited. And I feel like I've been seeing Team Mexico kind of celebrate each other during this time, which, you know, that's always a good feeling. I like seeing that. And then even in her interview that they air kind of like in between innings, she talked about her experience as a Latina girl growing up and playing softball. And it was just real and raw. And I just really appreciated and respected it, you know, whether it's Hispanic Heritage Month or not. It was just great content. And then I have to say another Amanda that that I'm digging right now is Amanda Chittister. She's just got so much energy, but like the right kind of energy that just like gets everybody else hyped up, you know? And I think it's no surprise that her team went undefeated. She's a first time captain. She goes three and L. But I really think that that was more of just like a symptom or an outcome of like her energy that she brought to the table and brought to her team. Because almost every player who was interviewed on her team mentioned her energy and how it hyped them up and how great of a job she was doing as a captain. And honestly, when we had Anissa Ortez, like her fiance, but also a teammate slash competitor, she talked about this. Even when she first met Amanda Chittister, like that energy was just so like, it just draws you in and it, it just helps get you pumped up. And it's to me, one of those intangibles that makes a player great. There's also, I think, a few things to say about the pitchers. Like, obviously, I can't cover every single thing I'd like to talk about for AU because we'd be here forever. But a few things that popped out to me, I mean, I just love pitchers who field. You all know I love pitchers who rake, but also the ones who field. I just like well-rounded players. When you can be that fifth infielder for your team, that's where it's at. And Alicia Ocasio is just that in a nutshell. Like, she just constantly gets, like, the force at second, such a quick play. She's got like a line drive comebacker and she turns the double play. So it's it's not only that she has like that skilled glove and quick hands and things like that, but also her just awareness of the base runners and what's happening on the field. That's just like exactly what you want. So I had to call that out. Also, I loved seeing Alyssa Denham. First of all, the rookie just doing a good job this past weekend. And I thought it was really, really cool. In her postgame interview, she mentioned how she's thrown to both Palacios sisters, you know, as catchers, Charlize Palacios is at U of A. She was teammates with Alyssa Denham. And then Sachelle caught her here in AU and was able to do that too. And I just think that's one of those things that's just like a cool community, fun thing that happens between these ladies. Then I, of course, have to shout out Carrie Eberly. I mean, what a performance, as well as just the fact that as a rookie, She's a captain in this last week. Like, I I think with her performance and the fact that she could end up in the top four, like she might be, you know, a medalist for Athletes Unlimited. I think she could be up for Rookie of the Year, which, by the way, that's another update. There are new awards this year that didn't exist last year for Athletes Unlimited. Rookie of the Year is one of them. And I think it makes sense because everyone was technically an Athletes Unlimited rookie last year, but this year was the first time they had a collegiate draft earlier in the spring, right? And so... Now there's that opportunity for like true rookies who are fresh out of college, not who have been playing pro for a number of years to get this opportunity to be recognized. Um, Also the fact that they have an all defensive team, you know how much I love defense. So I love this recognition, especially since you don't get points for defense. So I think it's great that they have some sort of recognition for that side of the ball. And it's cool because there's a full field. It's a pitcher, a catcher, three outfielders, two middle infielders, two corner infielders. And then there's that optional utility player so it could have like a 10th player that's included in this and the winner of the Geico defensive player of the year is going to be picked from this list and they get a 5k bonus so that's 
nice. <laughs> and the thing about this, though, is I think it's going to be tough. Like, for example, there's only two middle infielder slots. I can think of multiple middle infielders off the top of my head, for example. Like, how do you only pick two when you have people like Anissa Urtez, Sis Bates, Hannah Flippin, Ali Aguilar, and on and on and on, all in the same league? So even just that alone is going to be tough. And the players and unlimited club members will be the ones to get to vote. So I'm excited to see what happens there. But for the last week, before all of that's awarded, there was one more draft this week to get ready for the games. So Alicia Ocasio is Team Gold, Amanda Chester, Team Orange, Carrie Eberle, Team Blue, Savannah Jaquish, Team Purple. Now, lots that you could say, again, about each of these captains and how they decided to draft. But for Alicia Ocasio, what stood out to me is that she went with Gwen Svekis and Erica Piancastelli behind the dish again. I think it's a really good combo for her. She feels good throwing to both of them as a pitcher, but also Piancastelli's got that versatility, can be a DP, can be in the outfield, and she's really comfortable with her too. So it's, I think it's a smart move. Chitty, she has a pretty strong outfield, like Amanda Lorenz, Aaliyah Andrews, and Megan Wiggins. That's just like exactly the kind of outfield you want to put together. You got speed, but also the bats. Wiggins has been coming on lately. Lorenz is Lorenz. And Aaliyah Andrews, man, like what versatility that she's brought this season. Then for Carrie Eberle, I think that middle infield though, Anissa Ortez and Ali Aguilar and Kelsey Harshman. These are three Olympians, right? Like this is Team Mexico shortstop, Team USA's second baseman, and Team Canada's second baseman. Like talk about having options and experience there. And I think that's great. Like the rookie's going to have great support behind her. And then with Savannah Jaquish, I think she has a good pitching staff. She went after pitchers early. Um, Odyssey Alexander, Alyssa Denham, she got early. I think both rookies are doing great and, and also have been seen less again than some of the other pitchers. Then you also got Sarah Gronawagen, got that Canadian experience, that Olympic experience. And then Sam Shaw, who really has gotten less playing time this year and is a very capable player, but also like maybe people haven't seen her in a while. So maybe she's going to be this like great weapon to use out of the bullpen. Could be interesting. I think a lot of good options there from all these righties. Also, infielders galore. She's so versatile herself. She can play third base, first base. She can catch two, and that's what she's technically designated as. But she can also play the outfield we just saw recently. Like, she started in multiple positions, more so than anyone else in Athletes Unlimited, I'm pretty sure. So lots of options for her as well. So it should be an interesting last weekend. And one of the main reasons is obviously Kat Osterman. Now, this is the first week that she's not a captain. And that feels kind of strange because we're just so used to it. I mean, the very, very first week last year, she wasn't a captain because they picked captains based on scrimmage performance. And that was a little bit different setup. But since then, she's been a captain every single time until now. So the first weekend and last weekend, we'll bookend it this way. And she was picked in the second round by Chitty, which feels, feels right, I think, in a lot of ways. Just Team USA teammates there. Um, so Team Orange it is for her. Texas Orange maybe. Hadn't thought of it. Obviously, I'm not saying for all the Texas fans, I'm not saying it's the same as Burnt Orange. Don't worry. I'm just saying it's in that part of the color wheel. All right? So don't don't kill me. But these are her last games ever. I just think we have to let that sink in, right? We've been talking about it, but it's actually here now. And it's a big deal. And while it's weird she might not be a captain, I think maybe in some ways it's meant to be. You know, she can just enjoy this experience she got to experience the draft in a different way for the first time in a long time and it's a little bit of a passing of the torch maybe to the rest of the women last year after she won and was the first AU champion ever she challenged the rest of the girls like hey keep playing the reason why you're able to play now is because people like myself and Megan Wiggins kept playing right so keep playing and I think that passing of the torches is, is happening and I think she's excited about it so with all of this, there is no doubt that there will be more good softball for championship weekend. I'm so excited. But in the meantime, someone who is an authority on good softball and who's been keeping up with AU softball is today's guest. So let's head into the interview. She is the current head coach at San Diego State, three-time Olympic medalist with Team USA, NCAA national champion, and four-time All-American at UCLA, and just all-around legend, Stacy Newman. Stacy, I am so excited about this. Thank you for joining. I'm excited to be here. 
<laughs> this is like, I just need to explain this to you also. This is a very much a full circle moment for me to have you on the show. I know we were chatting before. I am from Southern California, and I do remember going to, I think, a UCLA camp at one point. It was like an alumni event at the same time and got a bunch of autographs and posters, balls, all that good stuff. And actually, this past year during COVID, during quarantine, I was staying with my parents for a while, and they had me go through literally every box of all of my stuff for my entire life because they're like, yep, either you got to go through it or we're going to put it in storage that you have to pay for. So I went through all of it, and I found all of this UCLA stuff, including stuff signed by you. So really- Oh, man. I was yeah. hoping you were going to throw up a picture or something because that, that I don't think I want to see, but I'm, I'm good to know that I signed something for you 30 years ago, probably. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, it was it was really cool. I was like, Oh, my gosh. And I actually I can't remember if I told Natasha this I should because Natasha Watley came on the show. She's been on a couple times. She's awesome. And same thing. I found stuff signed by her. I was like, this is so wild. You know, I hadn't seen it in so long. And I had a UCLA sweatshirt, which I Gave to my cousin who went to UCLA now. Girl, get this it, out of here, yeah. <laughs> it felt right now, but at the time I was excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got you. I got you. It, it's funny, every once in a while I'll have, I've actually had players, like players on my college team, come and show me pictures they took with me when they were little girls. It's, it's like, I mean, first of all, it makes me feel extremely old, but it's also really cool because you see that's how it all kind of comes you said full circle. That's how it all works, right? You get inspired as a young girl. You see someone, you see something, and it, you may not have ended up at UCLA. Obviously, you didn't, but that motivated you. That got you excited to play in college, and, and um, you know, then now I have a player playing for oh, me. Oh, yeah. That's where it all started for her. It's cool. A hundred percent. Because even so, I don't, yeah, obviously, I didn't go to UCLA, but I did want to play in the pack, and I can't say that that had nothing to do with it. You know, like being able to actually see Pac-12 softball growing up, of course that helped. And that's, I think, that's all of our favorite parts when we see that, right? And that's kind of like the best part of playing or just like being involved with softball is that part right there. Right. Well, it's the people. It's the it's the relationships. It's the um, just, you know, yes, the games are fun too. And the competitive aspect is, is huge. And, you know, for, for some people, that's everything. But Generally speaking, like when I think back on my career, it's the relationships, it's, it's the off the field moments. It's, um, you know, I, I could probably tell you pretty closely what happened on the field as well, um, especially in the Olympics, but all the, you know, again, my very best memories, my fondest are off the field, are the conversations, are the impact that people had on my life that I still, to this day, I'm connected with. Um, it's not like we even talk about the game anymore, but there's just a bond that's, that's unbreakable really. And, um, you know, whether it was a college teammate, whether it was a, an Olympic teammate, you know, those are my girls and they always will be. Yes. I am thoroughly convinced that there's just not really an equivalent. There's nothing like a teammate because some you're like best friends with, but even ones that maybe you're not best friends with, you still have this just extremely unique bond that no one else will understand. Right. So it's still this like really special. It's like you're not blood family, but you're more than just like friends or buddies. Like it's just a very unique thing. Totally. Totally. And I, I find that to be really interesting about AU specifically yes. because you got, when do you ever have, what is it? There's 60. So when do you have 59 teammates and one swoop, you know, and that mix right. and match and, and the come and go. I mean, I, I gotta be honest, I'll be, totally honest. I'm jealous. I wish AU was around when I was in my playing days because I would have thrived. I would have absolutely loved to have that kind of an environment. I was, I was a player's player. Like I loved my teammates. I loved the community aspect. I love the camaraderie and the, and the culture piece. And I would have, I mean, I would have given my left arm to be a part of AU as a player. I think that would have totally suited my personality. And so I watch it now and I'm like, oh, that's just, it's awesome. Like I totally, I totally am I'm, I'm envious for sure. Well, I mean, I think everyone would agree that they would have loved to have seen you in that environment also, but, but yes, I mean, and even from your perspective as a catcher, getting to work with that many different pitchers would be yeah. cool. It'd be challenging. Like that's clearly yeah. a challenge of AU. It's like, well, normally your battery has such a strong relationship, right? So how do you kind of replicate that every week? Right. But, but still right. it's like, I've, I've asked people this in the past, including Victoria Hayward, who we obviously share as a mutual friend. Um, and we'll get into that more later, but like, how do you guys 
bond so well when you're like competing and things are changing all the time and it's just a positive atmosphere. And I think it's like, to your point, it's just really fun. It's all the good stuff about softball, like put into one league. Right. Well, and I, I will say this too, and I don't know if this is like a generational thing, but I remember when social media started becoming kind of a thing, right? So this is, I, I couldn't even put a date on it. Let's say 10 years ago, maybe, would you say? Is that kind of yeah. when Twitter and all that stuff sort of became a thing and Facebook was- Instagram, you know, oh yeah. Well, I remember hearing my college players talking about, oh, well, yeah, I follow this girl on this other team. And I'm like, well, is she your friend? And they would say, oh, well, no, she's my, she's my, you know, she's my Twitter, she's my Facebook friend. And I was, well, wait, how does that work? Like, I, and I, I went back to, you know, 1999 and I'm thinking, would I have ever been friends with Jenny Finch on Instagram? Like, it just wouldn't have happened. Like, you know, we, we became we became friends after the fact, obviously we played together in, in, in the two Olympics and um, you know, we're now great friends, but it's, it's a little different. Like the way that this generation of, of young, young athlete, young women, young adults, um, they don't see, it's not that same, like grinded. I don't know. And I don't know if it would have, if you feel the same way, but I mean, I, I can't imagine at that time in my life, having been even social media friends with, my, my main competitors, like it just, I, I just can't imagine that happening. But now that's common. They all follow each other. They all know what each other is doing. They know in their life, that's, that is totally dating me. And it makes me feel very old to say that, but it, it's just, that's a different world. And I think that's partly what makes AU work because that's just how they've grown up. That's how they view their opponents. Like they do a great job. I, it's probably more healthy, frankly, the way they approach it of, Hey, I want to beat you on the field, but off the field, like I still value. And I think what you're doing is cool. And I want to see what your life looks like outside of softball. Back in the day, it was not like that. Like we were, I, not only did I want to beat you, but I kind of, I kind of hated you as well. Like I, <laughs> I didn't know you, but I kind of hated you. So um, that just is a little different, um, like I said, generational thing that I'll just, I'll be the first to admit it. But um, I do think it works really well. And it's really fun as a fan outside to, to watch AU just kind of blossom and do what it's doing. It's, it's awesome. I could not agree with you more because I'll be honest. Like I remember, I will not say which team we did this for just to protect everybody else. But guess, we, but okay. I remember you just, you, you can, okay. You can guess as long as I'm not the one to spill the beans initially. We actually, I remember as a team, we're like, all right, everybody pick out a girl on the other team that you would fight. Like, if we got in a fight, who are you picking out? You know, like, that's the type of thing that we did at that time. Yeah, I wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, yeah, let me accept her Facebook request. Like, it just wasn't. And this is before Instagram. So I'm dating myself, too. Like, I didn't have an Instagram until I had already been, I was done with my career. And now Instagram is, like, where everything is. But I completely agree with you. I do think it's probably healthier now. Like, I definitely took things way too seriously sometimes. So it's nice to see also that in AU, yes, they have these bonds, but they're still super competitive on the field. It's not like they're not trying to beat each other right. between the white lines. Like being able to turn it on and off, I'm actually like, and I wish I was better at that the way that they are when I was playing. Right. No, I mean, like like you said, week to week it changes, and I, I'll, I'll look for that kind of stuff. So like you'll see, you know, I don't know, Allie Aguilar will get a base hit, and she's on first base, and Tori Alice is playing first base, and you're like, okay, like six weeks ago, you, you wanted her for breakfast. Like, and now you know, you're over there, like patting her on the butt saying, Hey, nice hit. It's just right. a different, like, that's hard for me to imagine happening in, in, in my era. And, um, but I, again, I think it's, I think it's healthier. Um, you know, you don't have to hate someone's guts and want some, want ill will upon them, but that's kind of where we were, I'll be honest. So, um, so I, I like it. It's fun. And, and I think we're, the game itself is just, exploding i mean you know you have a podcast that is focused on softball just those kinds of things to me are just examples of how the game is growing and, and i'm just i'm happy to have a you know a, a very small role and a, a small part in all of that i would say it's bigger than a small role but yes honestly even when i first started the podcast there weren't very many softball podcasts so many more have popped up and i love it it's like how many football podcasts are out there you know and and now we're getting more and more of that with something like softball. It just, and not just softball, but also some of these other women's sports that are really exciting to see more of. So I, I'm, I'm with you there. And I, I think it's funny too, the two examples you just gave, Ali Aguilar and Tori Vidalis, 
also Olympians, to your point, it's like when they're in Tokyo, I don't know if they're like high-fiving each other, <laughs> like playing for Team no, Mexico no. and USA. Like that's, that's not how it works. And there's so many Olympians in AU. And it seems like a really cool kind of like post-Olympic thing for them to be able to do uh, and a good outlet right. because, I mean, you're, you would know this better than anybody that the Olympics are just a whole nother playing field and not just on the field, but even off the field mentally, all of it. Right. Well, and it's interesting. I've had a couple conversations with Vic um, about sort of the, the, the letdown. And it's, you know, they're trying, and, and I'll give him credit. From the outside world, I don't think he would know, you would know that, that if anybody's kind of struggling, but she's shared that there's a lot of them. In fact, I almost would say all of them in their own way are, are kind of navigating that, you know, yes, I'm still playing, but it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an emotional, uh, you know, a mental challenge to, to still carry that same passion, that same grind, that same grit um, after the fact. It's like, you know, the example or the analogy that I would use is it's like, it's like a marriage. You know, you have like the wedding and all the attention and the, all the pomp and circumstance and the time and the money and every person you love in your life is at this blessed event. And then you get married and then it's over. And now it's like okay, now, we have, now we're looking at each other like, okay, now what? You know, like you have this huge momentous moment and then you go back to just being a normal married couple or in this case, a normal, yeah, you might have a medal. You may not have a medal, but you, you're an Olympian. You have a life experience that, you'll, that you could maybe not ever recreate, but you don't have all the, all the, the bells and whistles attached to it or, or they're gone now. And so it's, it's, a, real, it's a real thing. There was a, there was a I don't even know what sport it was. There was a, an athlete from, from another sport, not softball, that wrote this um, like little, I don't even know what you want to call it, like manifesto about this letter to herself. I wish I would have known these things beforehand. And it was talking about this like internal struggle it is to kind of come back down and just be, just go back to life. And um, I mean, I, I'm 13 years removed from my last Olympic experience and I'll be totally honest, there's in some ways, I feel like I still haven't fully recovered from that. Like, it's just, I don't know that you ever can, you know, the real, the regular life will never be that sexy or inspiring or, and I, and I know that's a, that sounds pretty, pretty depressing, but it's a hard thing to get, you've lived at this high level and you've been at the top, literally of the game that you love. Like there is nothing higher, nowhere. It's, it is the highest. And then you got to just, got to come back down to the daily grind and there's nothing wrong with the daily grind. The daily grind has its joys as well, but poof, you know, when you like, I feeling like you've peaked at 25 years old, like, have I hit my peak in life? I hope not. I don't want to feel that way. Um, but when I, there's moments where I go, Oh my God, is, is it all downhill from here? And I, you know, now I'm a mother and I have a family and that's a whole nother set of ups and downs, right? The challenges that go along with that. Obviously, in coaching, there's ups and downs, but man, that's a hard thing to ever get back to that pinnacle. There's just, what else is going to do that for you? I love the wedding analogy. I, I think that actually is like spot on. I'd never thought of it that way, but that makes total sense to me. I have not had my own wedding, but I've been to so like countless. I cannot even tell you how many weddings I've been to. And every, all of my friends say the same thing. They're like, it's the best day of your life, but it goes by so fast. And you're kind of like, you're just like, all right, where are the pictures? How do I relive this, you know, forever, basically? Yeah, yeah. It, it's and wild. The honeymoon, the honeymoon phase can give you a, you know, you have a little, a little cushion, right? But I bet you, I mean, I know for myself and my marriage, you know, the first, the first bit was not that. I mean, it was tough. Like it was adjusting to all the changes in, and you know, it's, again, it's coming back from using, you know, transferring that to the Olympic pieces, you know, now they're now for the players in the NAU, obviously they're, they still have softball. Um, but I still, you know, again, I, I still feel like I'm hearing that people are feeling that and I feel for them. I, I totally feel them, you know, and they're going to have to get back into the world and, and um, to their families and, you know, have the world supported them, you know, my family, the, the world stopped. You know, I had a child in, the, in 2008 and my parents like put their lives on hold. They came on the road. They traveled with me and my son. My husband was home holding down the fort, but he was missing us tremendously. And all the, you know, everybody, because it's the Olympics, of course, we're going to do whatever we have to do to support you. But you come back home and it's like, okay, here's the baby. <laughs> 
here's the job, here's the here's the mortgage payment, like yeah, let's go to work. You know, like it's no, the fun and games aspect of it all kind of dissipates. So, um, and that takes nothing away from the experience. I, I would do it a thousand times over again, but I do think that whole transition piece is not talked about enough about how you deal with life after, because it's, it's tough. And I think college athletes feel that as well on a, on a similar scale. You know, you go through this college experience and you have yes. all of this support and all of the camaraderie and the, it's fun. You get to, you're playing a sport for work, right? You're getting a scholarship in many cases, in most cases of some way, shape or form. And then it goes, okay, you know, here's your degree, here's your diploma. Now go get a job and work the nine to five and find a place to live and find your life partner in some cases and all these other, wait, where's the, where's this, the shelter of the college athlete experience? It's, it's gone. So, um, you know, that's, so to segue, to segue, it's like as a coach now, that whole thing I think is, is as important of a job as a college coach as any other thing we do is doing everything in our power to hopefully soften that blow. And that mm -hmm. comes in the form of accountability. That comes in the form of making them uncomfortable, putting them in uncomfortable situations so they have to grow and, and stretch and expand their horizons, their, their maturity level, all those things. So that when they do, when that time does come and it's, you know, see you later, it's been, it's been great. They're not like deer in headlights. Oh, oh my God. Like, what am I going to do with my life? Like, you know, they, they have some, some plans and some preparation and, um, and if nothing else, they've been challenged on a human level to handle the real world of, I might have a boss that I can't stand. I might have a coworker that I think is a total a-hole. Well, how am I going to deal with that? You know, if I'm late, I get fired. So being late here has to have a consequence. Like you have to learn how to operate like an adult. And, and it, it's, to me, it's the fun stuff. That's the, I mean, I love softball too. Don't get me wrong, but that piece of it is um, the best coaches in the country. I think do they work on those aspects and they grow their athletes up as much as they grow their game. I will tell you, I feel very seen right now based on everything you're saying, because yes, of course I can't relate to the Olympics specifically, but yes, there was an element of that feeling when you're done with softball, especially because so many of us have played since we were five. And even if it wasn't five, it was still a very young age. So it's such a right. long time and huge chunk of your life for so long that you just have to say goodbye to. And I'll be honest with you, like, what is it? Nine years later, since my, my last season of softball, and I'm still not like totally feeling in a groove of like my fitness routine, like as a post, you know, post athlete life, I don't really know what I'm doing still, even though I have yeah. all the tools and everything that I learned, it's still like, I don't have the same goals. Like, what are my goals? What am I doing with my life? Like, it's so easy to just spiral in that way. And so mm -hmm to hear you as a coach. I mean, you understand it deeply from a player perspective as well, which obviously helps, but to hear you say it as a coach, I like, I have faith for the future of our sport and especially these women that are going through that college system and then going to go tackle real life. Right. And I don't, I, you know, I obviously can't speak for every, every program in the country and how they kind of navigate that piece of it. But, you know, I don't know about you, but you know, there are certain, coaches and programs that I just find myself kind of attracted to, you know, and yes, it's my alma mater, but it's, you know, outside of that, it's, it, it just, to me, it's something in the way they operate. It's something in the way that they, you watch them, you listen to them, you hear their players talk, you, you watch them compete. Um, you know, I, frankly, I don't even know if they lead and graduate, you know, ready to roll. I, you know, they might not either, but my guess is if I'm putting my money, if I'm making a bet, it's that they're, they're doing a better job of that than some of the other programs that are just focused on winning games and winning championships. And I think you can do both. You know, I think you could do both. And, you know, do I think that I was ready for the real world after softball in college? You know, for me, I knew I was focused in on the Olympics. You know, I, I had a, my career path, if you will, was I was going to be a player. I'm one of a very few people that has that available to them, right? Like it's, it's thankfully, more there's more people that can do that now than than even when I was coming up um but I do think that it's I was fortunate in that I had kind of a, a built-in path for me that I that I obviously took and ran with um but 
you know, we were, we were about winning championships, right? Like Sue Enquist was a hundred percent about winning championships. I think still in her own way, I don't know that she was talking about career paths so much as she forced us to grow up, you know, like I, my description of myself, mm. and I say this to people always laugh, is like, when I went to UCLA, I was a giant marshmallow. I was big, white, soft, and fluffy, and sweet, and I was just a, I was just a big, mushy, mushy, mushy. No, I had some talent, right? I had some, I had some talent that just you couldn't teach. But in terms of my mental game, my mental toughness, uh, my resiliency, oh, God, no. Like, I was nowhere where I needed to be. And I spent my freshman year in college literally well okay i'll give you a quick little sidebar so the way i describe this is there's three kinds of crying right there's three there's there's stage one when you're when you're like you feel you feel the tears but there's no one really knows like you just you kind of you get like the tickly throat and you're like stage two is like the tears are at the threshold they are about to drop and then stage three they they crossed and they're down on your i was stage two my entire freshman year like i could do no right Every, every play, every mistake, every, Sue was just on my butt, like just riding me. And I was, I mean, I literally was in stage two tears. I'm like, this is terrible. She's so mean. She's so hard on me. And I'm telling you, I, I don't, it was sometime like early spring, like this light bulb went off. And I, it gives me the chills actually, as I say this, because it was this moment that I just, it was like the clouds parted and I looked up and I was like, I get it. Like, I understand. Sue Inquist knew that Stacey Newman had the potential to be maybe one of the best players ever in this program. But this is where I was, this is where I was immature. Neck down, baller, right? Like I, I could do all, physically I did all that. I had all the skill set. Neck up, I was, I needed to be toughened up. And she just pounded me to where at that time I didn't get, it. I was like, why this isn't fair. Why is she yelling at me and not yelling at her? You know, all the things that we say as immature young freshmen. And then I, I got it. And I remember sitting in her office at the end of that year, like in our post post season, like, you know, kind of close up meeting for the year. And, and I just said, coach, I want to thank you. Like, I, I get it. Like I didn't for nine of these last 12 months, I did not get it, but thank you because I know that's what I needed. And I remember she got up from behind the desk because she came around and we just, she gave me a hug. And Sue, I, I don't know how well you know Sue. She's not, that's not her, right? She's not like the super warm and fuzzy, but she came up and gave me, she was like, this is what it's about. Like this is, her job was to make, to make me the best and to make me the best, she had to push me mentally. And that once that clicked, it was like my career just, you know, went, went to the next, to the next level and, and never really looked back. Honestly, I have asked people in the past, like, what, why is the Bruin bubble so great? Like, what is it? What is that like secret sauce, right? At UCLA that makes it the most successful program ever in college softball history. And I feel like it's hard to put into words, but to show examples and stories like that, that's it, right? Like that, yeah. and it's not just Sue. It's also like ever since like Kelly I, right? Like all of the generations that have come after and before that also, it's just right. always been there, you know? And I just, it, it's kind of cult-like to me, but in a good way. <laughs> yeah. I mean that in a positive yeah. way. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I agree with you. It kind of is. And, I, and the other thing I think, um, I think that UCLA has done historically and even now, on another level is making the past relevant, you know, connecting mm -hmm. the past. Like I remember, and I don't know how it is now. Like I knew Kelly, I, as an assistant and I, you know, I, I think her, obviously her role has changed from when I was there, but like, I felt like I knew who I knew who my founding mothers were, you know, and I not yeah. only knew the names, but I actually knew them. Like they came around, they sat in the clubhouse and shared their stories. They sat, I'll never forget this, sitting in a clubhouse with Sue, who we were like, we loved, but we were also scared to death of, okay? Like it was, it was the, the yin and yang of the Sue and Quist like dynamic. Sitting in the clubhouse as players and having former players come back and roast her, like in a funny way, like tell stories and like, and she, she just sat there and she, you know, she was, you knew she was loving it inside, but she was trying to kind of hold the face of like, you know, I, I'm cool. Like, this isn't that funny, but we were just like, Oh my God, 
they're totally talking back on our coach. And we were like, this is awesome. This is amazing. And so to hear the stories and like to feel connected, truly connected to Lorraine Maynez. I mean, this is someone who played in the 80s. To Yvonne Gutierrez, to Debbie Doom, to uh, Lisa Longacre, to like how many people can sit it right now and talk about players of their, from their program from 20 years ago. They can't do it. They can't even tell you six years ago. Like, like, right? Like history is lost, sadly. I, I hate to say yeah. that. I, I think that, and I think, I believe to my understanding, that's still the way that Kelly I still nurtures and fosters that of, you know, everything you do, the, the, the name on the front is what matters, not the name on the back. And no one is bigger than the four letters. Like that, that kind of mantra and the connection, again, it's not just names. It's not just, let me tell you how good they were. It's like, no, I want you to come and you're going to hang out with them. You're going to get to know them. You're going to hear their right. stories and those connections, because the funny thing is we're talking, you know, 20, 20 years of time. And now, now it's 20 years since I've been there. So we're talking 40 plus years of history. It's really not that different. You know what I mean? Like the day to day, yeah. yes, the stadium is bigger and the players are on TV and, but guess what? Like Rachel Garcia going out and battling for a national championship is the same as when Lisa Fernandez did it. And it's the same as when Lisa Longacre did it and when Debbie Doom did it. And when, so that's a common thread that, that they really, as a, I think as a staff and as a program have mastered, frankly, keeping those bonds tight through the yep. generations. Like Jelly Selden, I mean, again, going to more recent current, you know, Megan Langenfeld, um, uh, I yep. mean, Rachel Garcia. You know, I feel like I have a connection with Rick yes. Garcia. It's been 20 years since I played the game and I still have had conversations. I've gone out to lunch with her, like just to like talk softball, just to talk. That's just, to me, I don't think that's happening consistently in other programs. And, and maybe I'm wrong, but, but I, I can speak for UCLA. That's, that's one of the things that makes it special. I don't think you're wrong. I, I think I think there it does happen at some other programs, but that's not a just consistent thing at every program across the country, not even close. And I right. love that you use Rachel Garcia as an example because when she came on the show, she was talking about how Lisa, as her pitching coach at UCLA, puts her through what they call champ camps. And it's literally yeah. what Lisa used to do. Like, I'm sure you're aware of this, right? Like throw on all the yeah. layers, like just get, get herself going, like push herself to the limit. And it's a champ camp because this is what creates champions. And to hear Rachel talk about doing the same thing that Lisa did, it, it, it was exactly what you're talking about, that like common thread. And it's not that the program doesn't adjust as the game changes and evolves. That's not, that's not it. It's right. the foundation though of the program that is consistent, the tradition right. like you're talking about. Well, and I can tell you that it's changed because when I was there, Sue was teaching us to squash the bug. So, you know, we were squashing the bug in, in 1998 and, and obviously now they've got, you know, Don Slot and they've got all the technology. And so, you know, they're, they're, they're doing what they need to do to stay relevant. But um, yeah, the common bond is just, uh, it's something special. It is for sure. And I think that that is evident also with USA softball. Like you've talked about the Olympics multiple times, obviously plenty of Bruins, with you as well in those experiences. So that also helps when you have that culture that just sort of transfers right over. And I'd say the same with a lot of your U of A teammates that were on USA, right? Like there's different cultures, but still that just like demand for excellence at the end of the day that I right. think it was shared just in watching you guys play. And I know earlier in the summer, you were saying, I saw you say like nothing compares to the Olympic rings and representing your country. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't. And I, no. uh, that seems like, a, that seems like a no brainer to me, but it's hard, you know, when you get caught up in some of these other things like professional and then like whatever your alma mater was, all right. that kind of stuff. But it seems like that transferred over really well to the USA program. Right. Well, and, and, you know, you're talking about these players that have come from, and not just UCLA and Arizona, but you know, some of the best programs in the country and, there's a reason why those programs are good on a consistent basis because they have, they have cultures that withstand the test of time. And so when you bring those together and you have, you know, good leaders at the top that are fostering, you know, a, a version of those same kinds of things, right? The, 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 um, the themes are the same, but you know, they're expressed maybe a little bit differently from a different head coach 
bringing together all these, you know, individuals from different programs. But um, yeah, I mean, I feel like I said before, you know, I have special bonds with my college teammates, but then I think about like, you know, Jess Mendoza and Natasha Watley and and Taraya, who I played with in both college and, and on the Olympic team and Lori Harrigan and Michelle Smith and obviously Lisa, you know, we had, you know, Lisa was, Lisa was an interesting dynamic, you know, because she was my coach. So she was my coach in college, but also my teammate and my roommate. So when I first made my first national team, uh, the coach at the time was Ralph Raymond, who has, has since passed away. But, you know, he was a long time kind of Revestos Breakettes guy and, you know, very old school. And he puts me as the rookie with Lisa. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God, like, how, how do I, I'm a, I don't even know what I was. I was a college sophomore, maybe. So I'm like 19 years old and I'm, I'm rooming with like the legend, like this is, and I gotta like, I'm like on my room, like, don't make any noise. You know, don't, don't say anything. Don't look around. You know, I was like, <laughs> just stay in your little bubble. Cause I was scared of just, I didn't want to mess up her, her mojo. Cause she's Lisa, right. She's got her own. So I got thrown into the fire with that. But you know, I, I look at those and I think about those women and their impact on me on so many levels. I remember being this young college kid and, and making the national team and, and Lisa and Michelle, and they're like watching like CNBC, like the ticker, cause they were, you know, investing in stocks. And I'm like, <laughs> like, I'm ready to go to a frat party right now. Like, what are we talking about stocks and bonds? And <laughs> you know, like, who, what is, this is an alternative universe. But, um, but at the same time, like I, it made me grow up. Like I grew up very quickly. And um, I think in a, in a softball IQ sense as well, because these were like mm. Dot Richardson and, and Sheila Cornell, like these are women that were in their 30, late 30s and 40s. I was, like I said, 19 or 20. And I just was a sponge, like just listening to them talk the game, watching them prepare. Oh my gosh, you know, and, and it's funny because I watched your, your, your podcast with, with Vic last week. Or that just it just dropped I think yesterday but um talking about how as a player she was on the opposite end right she was trying to relate to the young college person you know that's a brand new player on the team and like what do we have in common well we obviously love softball and that might be it that might be the only thing we yeah. share in common but that's a pretty important thing and um you know I, I love yeah. that piece of it you know the, the team dynamic and all those those challenges but also that's the again like I said before that's the fun stuff Oh, yeah. It is interesting because it's funny when we think, oh, man, I don't really know what I'm doing. Am I handling this right? So is the other person often, you know, <laughs> like I'm sure right. maybe even maybe who knows, maybe Lisa was like, yeah, how do I kind of bring this young buck under my wing? You know, while you're worried about it at the same time, like, of course, oh, that's totally. just like how life works. <laughs> but I, I want to ask you, too, with the all of this in mind, like all the tradition we've talked about, your reaction to the Tokyo Olympics results. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's funny. This is something that I have to say, um, as I started to get to know, so a little kind of quick background. So Vic and I had not met each other, right? So we started communicating when they were in Tokyo, believe it or not. So she was like already there, like they were in a couple weeks of pre prep and, you know, the, the, all the backstory, how that even happened was, is pretty wild, but we're talking and, and, you know, I'm relating back to, you know, my, my, my experience. And um, so we talked a little bit, then they were getting ready to play. And I'm like, let's not talk. I'll talk to you in two weeks. Like, let's, let's let you, you know, focus on this. So of course I'm in my fields of all of my, you know, all my backstory and all my experience, all my experiences. And, and to this day, this kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier with, you know, really have I ever, gotten over the Olympics and there's a part of me that still feels like we failed like we won we we won we lost the silver medal right like we lost the gold medal I should say so we won a silver but it's it's the result of losing the gold and the culture of USA softball at that time was like there is nothing besides gold like gold is it and everything else is underachieving period end of story so I, I mean, truly, 13 years later, I'm like, we, we lost it. I have to tell you, Jenna, I have not been able to physically watch the 2008 gold medal game. Like it's still, mm. 
it's still kind of like there's a weird little thing for me. I can't go back and just watch it, see what I, I remember. I think I remember what happened, but I don't quite know, you know, because I don't yeah. want to revisit that. So I say all that because watching Vic go through this process and learning a little bit more about just the way that Team Canada specifically, um, you know, found that bond and, and just rose up yes. to the occasion, you know, um, my kid running by in the background, sorry. Um, <laughs> Love it. We, we had conversations and I actually made a comment at one point about um, something about, uh, you know, like poo-pooing the silver. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm saying this to someone that won a bronze. Like what an a-hole. Like that's just, that's a pretty, like I had that self-awareness of saying, after I said it, <laughs> unfortunately I didn't have the self-awareness before I said it, but I, and it, we kind of talked about it and I was like, you know, I'm really, I apologize. I'm like, I'm sorry that I made that comment because that is, that's a very elitist attitude. And I, I know there was another athlete from another sport that made a similar comment. Like if we can't celebrate a silver or bronze medal as Americans, like, Seriously, that's some BS. Like, how, like, really? Like, am I that, you know, uh, pompous that I think, oh, oh, my silver medal is like, don't even mention it. Like, it's just, it's just about the gold medal. Like, I want a silver medal. Like, I really should be more proud of that than frankly I am. And seeing the way, you know, and, and again, knowing some of the backstory of Team Canada, even Team USA, yep. you know, this, this go around getting a silver medal, like, as an alumni, my first reaction was like, oh, you know, oh, you know, oh, poor us. We got the silver. And seeing some of the reactions to, you know, and really thinking through that of, yeah, that's, that's pretty messed up. Like, it's pretty messed up that we can't celebrate being the second best in the world at something or the third best in the world. That's a, that's a big deal. That's a significant accomplishment. And yes, I've been fortunate. Maybe I got spoiled winning a couple of gold medals off the bat. But um, I have to say, it really made me rethink my attitude about my silver medal. And um, I want to, and I am more proud of it today than I was, than I was six weeks ago. Because I, that, that was, I had to go through that kind of thought process. But it, it's, it should be something to be celebrated and, you know, and not shunned or feel like it's a failure of, of a gold. You know, yeah. Do I want to win? Do I wish we had won a gold medal? For sure. Does Vic... Wish she had won a gold medal for sure. I know Team USA would love to have. Cat, I guarantee you, Cat wanted another gold medal. Mm. But it doesn't take away from mm -hmm. what she accomplished and what that team accomplished in that in that environment. So, um, you know, I, I I was hoping to watch them get the gold medal, but you know, at the end of the day, they they accomplished a heck of a lot and in a in a very difficult circumstance during COVID, no fans. I mean, all the things that. Um, you know, kind of amplify the Olympics to that, that next special, incredible level. You know, they didn't have that, um, but it's still the Olympics right. and it still was their teammates. And those people were there regardless of who was in the stands. Yes. I think you're right too, that probably alums like you, but just the larger fan base of USA softball or anyone that's connected to it or feels connected to it has probably learned that lesson. It's like, we can hate losing with every, every fiber of our being, but also not be sore losers. Right. right. Like there's a difference, you know? And I, I was the same with you just as, just as somebody who remembers watching Beijing, I'll never forget it. I, Ashley Hansen and I have both happened to walk into Toby Keith's in Oklahoma city at nationals for opening ceremonies, right. For Beijing. We watched it together. And then we saw some of the games later for softball. I, I just from watching it all my first reaction was like, dang it, silver again. Like this was redemption time for us. This was this and that, like putting all these expectations on yeah. it. And like, is that really the right thought process? You know, and this is from me, like this is not yeah. even close to your experience, right? This is just as an exterior part of our softball community. And it's like, maybe it's time to rethink that right. stuff, you know? And like we talked about earlier, how it's probably healthier yeah. that these girls get along in AU versus like hating each other. Like we used to when we were in the pack, maybe that's healthier now too. And it do <laughs> doesn't mean, doesn't mean we're okay with losing, but just yeah. maybe we handle it differently. I don't know. Right. Well, I, I you know, I had a, I had the opportunity to coach the Chicago bandits. Yes. Oh gosh. Three or four years ago. And I remember having a conversation with Courtney Gano about this. So mm. she had made this statement um, 
that I hear lots of people say, you know, softball is what I do. It's not who I am. Yes. And my, my, my initial reaction to that statement, which I've heard many, many athletes say, not just softball players, but I've heard many, many people say like, even a, you know, a musician, my music is what I do. It's not who I am. Yeah. I thought that was, I, I literally pulled her aside. I said, can we talk about this? Because I want to understand to me, that's, I, I'm the opposite. I've always felt like I want to think of softball as who I am. It is like, that is my world. That is me. Like, that's my identity. And to say that it's not who I am was like, wait, like, what do you mean? How could it not be who you are? Right. And we talked through it. And I was, her perspective was so, um, so new to me because she's like, look, I'm not saying I don't care about, or, or like you said, that I don't want to win with every fiber in my body. And I am resisting losing with every fiber in my body. But I'm just saying that it, my identity is not tied into this game and the highs and the lows. And yeah. God, I was like, wow. Like I sat back and I'm like, I probably could have result, I probably could have benefited quite a bit from more, taking more of that of my, that approach as a player because I did carry it home with me. You know, I brought it. I brought it home with me. I I lost sleep over it. I um, you know, and my my um, my uh, my response was I worked harder, right? I I put in extra time. I I go early. I'd stay late. All that. But if I had probably been able to separate a little bit more of me as a human to my play as a softball player, I might have had a little. You know, I would have had fewer of the low moments. That that you know the the head. Yeah. Well, I was in my head. I was struggling. I was frustrated. Like I think I would have kept a little, maybe better even keel than 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 I did. So. Um, those are the kinds of, those are the moments, like the conversations where you sort of reflect back and go, ah, that's not what I was thinking. And, but I appreciate, right. I appreciate that perspective. And I think that's, again, it's a healthy one. Well, it's just, I think, acknowledging that there are the different perspectives, right? Because oftentimes we forget <laughs> to do that, but I agree with you. Mm -hmm. I think that's part of the reason why that like post-college transition, for example, or in your case and Vic's case, post-Olympics transition that's why it's hard is because we start to tie our self-worth as people to the results on the field. And we're like, whoa, wait a minute. I'm not worth less yep. because I got a silver medal or a bronze medal as a human. You know, it's like I could be pissed off as a softball player and try to get after it from here on out again. But like, I'm not, you know, I'm still worthy as a human. And I, that's something right. I still struggle with. Right. Like I said, for the post softball, uh, post college stuff, like it's, it's not easy. <laughs> Mm -hmm. No, it's, it's not. And, and, you know, and I think in a sense, the fact that there is, it was a transition for you speaks to how passionate you were about it, you know, that it meant that much to you because for someone that's just, eh, you know, I like softball, I'm good at it. Uh, you know, I like being with my friends. I don't think they had that same experience. It's the people that are probably teetering on the side of it's who I am, not what I do. Right. The opposite that probably have more of that kind of now what, you know, now, where am I going to, where am I going to get my, where am I going to get my fix, my competitive fix? Um, you, you talked about right. the fitness piece, you know, some people are just wired that way. You know, for me, man, softball kept me on track, right? That, that was my, that was my why is to be the best athlete I could be. And then that, that went away and I was like, Hey, this couch is pretty comfy. You know, like I, I, I'm with you on that. <laughs> you know, it's not that transition wasn't easy for me either. Um, still, I wouldn't say I've got it nailed, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it, it speaks to you again, that you obviously love the game. You still love the game. You're still in it, you know, and you're finding your way. You're, you're making a, you know, you're making a living out of it. And, uh, you know, that's awesome. And, that, and that's, I hope that more and more softball players continue to find ways, find a niche that they can, um, you know, exploit. I appreciate that because it's, it's been a journey. I'll tell you. I mean, and honestly, like, and I'm sure this, this depend depending on what program you are a part of and, and, you know, for me, it's even location, like Stanford's in Silicon Valley. Right. And it's like, there were so many people, including athletes at Stanford who were like pre-med or had these like lofty professional goals that they knew they were going to go for, you know, after yeah. their sport ended. For me, I, I didn't know what that was. And I was like, well, am I like, does it make me not ambitious? Cause I'm still interested in softball. Like everyone else seems yeah. to be kind of like moving on and doing their thing. And it's like, 
no, I can, it can still be part of my life. You know, just like so many people like yourself and Vic, it's getting back into coaching. Right. And it's like, you, you, you're passionate about it and we can find different ways to still have that in our lives. Because honestly, I don't think I've talked to Vic about this before too. Like, I don't think it ever, we're never going to escape softball. I don't think if you're passionate about it at once, like it's going to be a part of you somehow, some way, even if it doesn't define us totally as people, it's still part of us, you know? And so that's been something that I've been like, you know what, just let me let me just embrace this, you know? And like, this is what I love. Like, let's do it. And I, it's different for everybody, but I appreciate that that's, you know, I mean, you get it, even though we've had very different experiences, there's still like that aspect Mm -hmm. to it. Well, so I'm going to give you a little, a little nugget. This is going to be, this is going to be a little interesting nugget. So believe it or not, I was in a sorority at UCLA. Really? Yeah, I would not and guess that. I know my t- I, this has come up with my team, and they they think I'm they literally don't believe me. Like they really <laughs> truly don't think it's true. But it it was. I was in a sorority, and which to me was I look back on that, and you know my motivations at the time. I won't I won't I won't tell you what they were. You probably can guess, but it was uh, definitely more of the social aspect. But uh, but what that did that experience did, which I I look back on now, and I think, God, that was that was a great move, Stace. Like is I got to see, I got to see what the other side of, like, you know, and it's not to say that my teammates were ambitious, their ambitions were, were the sport, but oh my gosh, like these were, to your point, now they're all, you know, and we're Facebook friends, that's how I keep in touch with most of them, but like lawyers, doctors, PhDs, researchers, I mean, they're like, you know, I think, I think if you if you got a master's degree, you were the you were the low end educated you know person on the group. I mean, these were like MBAs and I, I mean just phenomenal phenomenal women that were ambitious and smart and driven and all this. Their drive was a little focused a different way, but I do I I totally hear you because it's like even I say sometimes as a softball coach, if you're talking to the wrong group of people, they're like, oh wait, like that's a job, like. Is that a year, you know, is that year round? Like, cause they think like rec ball, they think, you know, right. little league kind of situation. It's like, no, it's actually a full-time job. And, you know, and, and there's people making a million dollars doing it. And they're like, what? Right. Are you kidding me? Like, no way. It's, it's now if you're a softball person, you, you get it. But to the outside world, it's like, what do you mean you, you do, you know, you're a coach. What do you mean you, you broadcast softball, college softball games? You're like, yes, it's like the greatest job in the world, which I will say, yeah. by the way, it is the greatest job in the world. Being a commentator <laughs> is fun. It is fun. I'm like, wait, they're sitting, they're paying you me talk to sit here and talk about softball? Exactly. Yes. Sign me I'm going to do yeah. this anyway. Yeah. So. Yeah. Totally with you on that. So you, you're right. You're right in the right spot. Trust me. You're in a good spot. Well, thank you. I appreciate this. This has now kind of turned into like my therapy session with you. (laughs) Thank you for all of your wisdom. (laughs) God, she's cool. There's a reason she's one of the greatest to ever do it. It's definitely the energy that I needed right now. I know that for sure. And I think it's the energy that we all need. So I just can't wait for you to hear the rest next week also. And with that, let's transition to the foul tip of the week. This week's foul tip is about letting go of the outcome. Now, Danielle Laurie recently shared a video of her talking about this idea, the idea that everyone wants to be part of the outcome, but they don't want to be part of the process. And that the important part there is that the process actually defines who should be part of the outcome. And you know, that resonated with me. It's what inspired this week's tip. And I want to give that credit to her. And I've been thinking a lot about this lately. I've actually found myself falling into worrying about different outcomes in my life, whether it's related to work, personal relationships, whatever. It's like, what's going to happen? You know, what's the end result going to be? And I've also just been reminded that that's actually not what it's about. I think back to my freshman year playing college softball, I focused too much on outcomes. And it wasn't a vanity thing. It was just that I thought that's what goals were supposed to be. So I made goals like being named all Pac-12 or becoming an All-American, things like that. And those are good aspirations, but it's not what the focus should be. It's not all that goals should be. 
And don't get me wrong, I worked my ass off. Like I was part of the process. I overtrained, really, to be honest. Uh, but it was my worst hitting performance of my college career that season. And I didn't really enjoy the game either. But then senior year kind of changed my priorities to just simplifying and wanting to work hard and get better. So having that like ambition, that drive, but then also enjoying my teammates and enjoying my time. And you know what? The better outcomes came. And it was a night and day performance from my freshman year. Because when we're too fixated on the outcome, like I was in the beginning, we can end up pushing ourselves further away from what we want. It's literally the opposite. It backfires. You know, for Danielle, her Olympic grind was hard on every aspect of her life, personally. Plus, these Olympics were objectively some of the hardest circumstances the Games have ever had with a global pandemic and postponement and what have you. And her thing, too, is she says, you know, and she's right, we're not guaranteed anything in sports. We're not guaranteed anything in life either. But in sports, it's like you have to be motivated by and fired up by the process because then you can live with whatever outcome happens because you trusted and respected that process. And you know you're going to keep working to get better and keep at that process. And you know what? I think that's why Danielle is so good. That's what she's good at, in my opinion. She's in it for the grind, not the glory. And that's what makes her great. You know, take care of your business and the rest will take care of itself. So that's it. Let go of the outcome. That's the foul tip of the week. You've been listening to Believe in Softball presented by Bet Online. The show is available anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, wherever else you listen, including Believe.com. And you can also watch the videos on YouTube. Subscribe, rate, write a review, share it with your friends. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Believe in Softball. Again, B-L-E-A-V. You can always reach out to me on Twitter at JennaBacera01 and Instagram at JennaBacera as well. As always, thank you for tuning in and catch you soon. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.